The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. You're listening to Fresh FM, my name's Matt, joined in the Nelson studio again by Chris Watson, which means it is time for another Nelson Film Society film preview. Uh, Nice to have you back in the uh, studio. So I'm guessing, Chris, the Film Society's 2022 season uh, is about to come to an end. You're right. Uh, the arts festival begins as usual, and so we're always sort of ready for that. Yeah. Uh, so kia Matt. Indeed, this is the last of our films for the year. Mm. Um, it's the final also in our series of classic French films. It's even got a very final title. Okay, what is the final title you're rolling out? Z, or or Z for the Americans. (laughs) It's the last letter of the alphabet. And it also happens that the film is heavily political. And that makes it even relevant for today. Yeah, because Z, coincidentally, and ironically, I think, happens to be the symbol chosen by the Russians to identify their military vehicles as they enter the Ukraine. Yeah, that's true. That is uh, something that sprung to mind immediately. But isn't this movie set in Greece and comes from the late 60s? Yep. It was directed by young Costa Gravis in 1969. He was a Greek in exile uh, from the military Greek government at that time. Um, And the film uh, was financed by the French and filmed in Algeria. (laughs) Okay. It was based on a novel that uh, paralleled the real-life assassination in 1963 of Gregorius Lambrakis. Um, He was a popular left-wing public figure in Greece. Okay, so why then is the title Z? (laughs) That's explained at the end of the film. It's a kind of climax so i'd prefer to leave it to the audience just to discover okay what it means in the film all right that sounds fair so um was the film well received when it came out yes yes it was and it's well received every time it's been revived in the years since 1967 um there's a recent reviewer in rotten tomatoes who saw the film a couple of years ago in sydney and said i first watched zed 50 years ago And since that time, I've seen time and again the same story enacted in today's real world. Crime, murder, thugs, barbarian, mobs, and that very rare exception of one judge, lawyer or investigator who stands tall with their courage and integrity. It's a great movie. It's high drama and importing wisdom about how the world goes, said this uh, high fan of the film. (laughs) And that's Rotten Tomatoes said that, yeah? Yeah, just two years ago. Okay. And so at the actual time, it was uh, similarly appreciated then? Yes, it was. Um, We chose for our review in our weekly club magazine called Newsreel, which we give to our people as they come into the cinema, um, a review written by Roger Ebert in 1969. 
and he's equally enthusiastic. Uh, for him, it was especially prescient at that time because the generals still ruled in Greece, and America was trapped in Vietnam. Right. Of course, nowadays it could be viewed as a parallel with Russia's treatment of its dissidents. Radioactive poisoning is their latest twist, of course. Yeah, seems to be. Um, all right. So, of course, 1967, just before the worldwide disturbances of uh, 68, which saw young people in particular challenging the authority of the establishments in many countries. Yeah, that was mm. particularly true of both France and America. Yeah. In France, the youth questioned the colonial mistreatment of Algerians by their government. There was a civil war going on at the time. And in America, the involvement in the Vietnam War by their army was similarly resisted. And as it happens, in uh, Prague, Russian tanks were repressing the youthful rebellion against the communist government in Czechoslovakia. And we had our moments in New Zealand when the American vice president arrived. Yes, we did. (laughs) However, the story in the film is personalised. It's about characters with whom we can identify In 1963, this politician, uh, Gregorius Lambrakis, used his parliamentary immunity of the time to take part in an outlawed march for peace Mm. from the town of Marathon. Uh, Guess where to? (laughs) To the capital, Uh Athens. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He walked into the city carrying a banner calling for peace. The fascists, of course, they thought this a crime and they murdered him a month later. Uh, so does Costa Gravas call his character Lambracus? No, no, he's simply named the Doctor, but he's drawn as the ideal left leader and played by Yves Montar, um, but he doesn't last long in the film. Uh, is he killed by a car? The plotters want this to look like death by a drunk driver. Uh, right, so who does the story then concentrate on? Well, this is the key player, really. He's an investigative judge played by Jean-Louis Tratangeon. Uh, he's known as le juge d'instruction in the French language of the film. Right. Uh, we'd call it examining magistrate in English. Um, examining magistrates are typical of countries that are still heavily into Roman law. Okay. He's wonderfully persistent, he's incorruptible, and he's greatly aided by the honesty of the hospital employees whom the establishment cannot corrupt. Okay. Uh, does the court then find in his favour? Yes, it does. But in reality, a few years later, the corrupt politicians led by the military took over. So Costa Gravis has the doctor's wife, Helen, who's played by Irene Papas, sadly sceptical of the future despite the success of the trial at the time. Oh, incidentally, Irene Papas died last week. She was 90-plus, nearly as, um, I think, the same age as Queen Elizabeth, actually. Okay. Um, So is that then uh, how the film ends? No, not quite. Uh, There's an epilogue which provides a synopsis of the subsequent turn of events that led to the overturning of the sentences on the perpetrators and then to the coup d'etat that saw the military take over. Okay. In reality, that must have affected the reception of Costa Gravis' film in Greece, yeah? Oh, it sure did. It was banned throughout the rule of the generals, and it meant that Costa Gravis was persona non grata in his homeland. He continued to reside in France, and still does. It became his refuge for the rest of his life. 
Although as it happens, the film has been shown to applause in Greece since democracy was restored. Okay. Now, do I recall from somewhere that the soundtrack was memorable? Yes. Yes, it is. It was It was made by Mikis Theodorakis. Uh, he was a quite a famous um, Greek composer at the time, and the record of this film became a hit. Um, The Greek Junta had actually placed the composer under house arrest at the time the film was made, but he was able to give his approval to Costa Gravis for the use of existing musical pieces. Actually, there is one track that the film features but does not credit that was by another composer, Pierre Henry, that was a contemporary hit song, Psyche Rock. And on the CD of the soundtrack, it's replaced with a similar piece written by Theo Dorakis and named Cafe Rock. I think people would be really impressed with the music in ah. this film. Okay, cool, cool. Well, it looks like you could uh, finish the year which uh, with a film that might turn out to be the most popular yet, yeah? Um, how did the audience voting go for the 22 season as a whole? Well, we were very pleased to see that the um, most popular film turned out to be the one we put in as an extra when the film festival moved two of its screenings from the original dates at the Suter. Pan's Labyrinth, um, this very unique movie made by Guillermo del Toro that was set in the Spanish Civil War and featured various animated scenes with fairies and goblins, was our closest to a five-star film this year. And scored 4.6 <laughs> to get wow. five you've got to get an average of more than 4.75 and none made it in 2022 i've just got to say here woohoo go pan's labyrinth <laughs> love that movie right carry on the next most popular was sammy blood from scandinavia oh, yeah. about the life of a young indigenous woman trying to pass a swedish at the time of racist politics in sweden that separated natives into their own school um a twist of colonialism that's occurred in many other countries there's um, films that feature this sort of oppression in australia and canada in particular yeah okay Mm. and did any bomb or fail to uh, score well i've got an awkward feeling that last night's film or tuesday's that is uh, with pickpocket it was called um was probably at the bottom i think uh, i've only just received the star score so i haven't been able to check it against our totals um, but it, I think it was 2.6, which is going to put it... If it's 2.6, we can say it's three stars. But um, <laughs> hmm. okay. And three was the lowest we scored for any films during the year. Uh, the weakest two um, before Pickpocket, I think, was the American crime movie Crisscross. Oh. Um, I don't think people could follow the American uh, accents very well. (laughs) And a Swedish movie, which is doubtless great, made by Ingmar Bergman called The Magician. Um, In both cases, there's still some members who rated them highly. But it has to be admitted the films were in a quiet taste and you had to be into the historic elements of cine development. Still... 24 out of 30 films earned four or four and a half stars. So all in all, we can say it was a successful and satisfying year. 
And I'd like to add challenging. You've got to admit that <laughs> there's been the challenges uh, through the last, uh, wow, many years now, a couple of years. But um, yeah, you've, you've managed to get through, which is fantastic. There's been changes of venue. There's been cancellations. There's been yeah, all sorts been, of carry-on. And we've had to restrict our audiences for quite a while because um, spacing was required during COVID. And that meant we closed membership. But uh, although we had to close membership and and the sample tickets for a while during this year because we were afraid that membership numbers would exceed the number of seats available during the COVID-required spacing, um, we are open now again for next year. Um, You can join up um, at any time, but most likely next February and March for the season, which will begin in March. Um, Although current members simply um, renew their membership when the month comes up because you get 12 months from the date of joining. Which is a brilliant system. It really is. And, you know, I'm sure people have appreciated uh, that fact as, you know, some of these challenges have happened. So um, how aware of you are you at this stage of next year's lineup? Do you do you uh, We get the um, titles from our... Um, agent really uh, who works for us in the international film festival office Mm -hmm. uh, in november usually okay and then the committee has a meeting in the first week of december uh, when they make a selection usually it's a very long list Um, last year it was not because of the covid muck-ups everywhere i think they offered us about 32 films and we picked 30 of them and fortunately as i've just said they all went down very well um and this year we're hoping that there will be a a a greater range because we know what our people like the uh, star system gives us a fair clue yeah which i i gotta say that's that's great giving you uh, a reading on you know what is working and what isn't Look, Chris, it's been great having you and uh, Eleanor involved again this year for the previews for the Nelson Film Society. Quality cinema, normally showing at uh, the Souter Theatre, but at the moment still showing at State Cinemas in Trafalgar Street, Nelson. Not a bad place to be, but I'm sure the um, cinema down at the Souter is going to be looking top notch once they've got it uh, fixed again. Be renewed. Yes, yes. Cool. Uh, anything you just want to add before we wrap up here today, Chris? Not really. Um, you know, there's a possibility that I might not be doing this next year, of course, but I don't know yet, so we won't worry about it until then. Mm. It's more than likely I'd probably do the first one anyway, even though it might be by telephone from Wellington. And I've offered, uh, or I will offer if they are desperate, both Eleanor and I could be uh, foreign correspondents. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the advantage being that um, one or other of us will almost certainly have seen the films beforehand because um, she goes to the Auckland, I'll going to Wellington, and they both get the films before they get to Nelson. Yeah, so, oh, there you so go. So we could do the job if, if they want us to. Yep, yep. Oh, look, I, I would love to be uh, talking to you again next year, but however, oh, at least once, but however it rolls... Uh, We'll we'll make it happen. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for your uh, contribution again today, Chris, for another Nelson Film Society film preview. This week we were talking about Z showing at the uh, State Cinema, six o'clock on Tuesday, the fourth of October. 
The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.